Welcome to LifeQuest, a program that directs you to subjects and books that will make a difference in your life. A program that will make you think and strengthen your journey of faith in the 21st century. My name is Dwight Lanehoff. Today on LifeQuest, I'm talking with Robin Dykstra. She's an author, a speaker, ex-Playboy Bunny. And she discovered the Lord and finding joy in very difficult times. She actually buried two husbands in four short years, but today she's a Bible teacher. And she is the author of the book called The Widow Wore Pink. It's a true life story about loss and transforming power of a loving God. Robin, thanks for being with us on LifeQuest. What a pleasure to be with you. You've had all kinds of things happening in your life, and I'm sure that continues. Why this book at this time? The book was written out of a request, really. I'm a speaker by nature, and I travel all over the United States telling women it's never too late for a fresh start. You mm-hmm. dipped into that with my introduction. You know, former Playboy Bunny, yeah. you don't really think, oh, yeah, first thing on my list of things to do <laughs> is go to church, right? Right. So I, when I discovered a God in heaven who loved me so much, I was desperate to let other girls like me know that it was not too late for them, that God does knows all about you anyway and still wants to spend time with you. So I started doing a lot of speaking, mm-hmm. and every time I talked, somebody would come up to me afterwards and say, I wish my fill-in-the-blank cousin, boss, daughter, sister-in-law had been here. She would right. have been so touched by it. Yeah. Do you have a book? And for a long time, there wasn't. And Dwight, I'll tell you the honest-to-goodness truth. And the reason it took me so long to write it after all the stuff was because when you are really, when you've made some really awful choices, I mean, world-class, no (laughs) no good (laughs) choices, you can speak from from a stage or a platform and and just dip into that. You know, I was foolish for a while, I was a Playboy Bunny, but then, and tell the good stuff. But when you write the book... It's there. You gotta, yes, (laughs) you gotta tell... Dumb, who you were dumb with, how yeah. long you were dumb, all this stuff. And I, I realized finally that it was important for other women to have something that that, that book can go places I can't go. Yeah. And women I can't speak to personally sure. can still find Jesus in the midst of their mess and know that it's not too late for them. So that is why I wrote the book. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And I can I can say to to our listeners, uh, it's a very readable book. It's an enjoyable book. It's an impressive book, and it's something you want to think about. And we'll talk about that later. But Robin, you didn't really grow up in a traditional religious home, did you? No, uh-uh. we were too smart for God, Dwight. We yeah. didn't need Him. We had enough money, and we had enough health. We had enough brilliance. You know, my mom's a PhD, and so um, we really didn't need a God. There was no calamity that drove us to seek a higher power. Mm-hmm. And consequently, you know, I, I, I pretty much ruled my own life and thought that that was the way things were supposed to go. Right at the beginning of your book, it was interesting when you uh, weren't sure you wanted to go to college and you see this advert about, uh, you know, interviewing for pay- Playboy Bunnies and you were worried about, you know, what's mom going to think? And mom says, yeah, whatever. 
Yeah, she did. That was a real shocker. My mom was very um, a big advocate of women's choices, not just uh, abortion or or not, but all choices and equal pay for equal work, all that. Mm -hmm. Very big advocate for that. And so I was a little worried about dropping the bomb that I was now going to uh, go parade in this skimpy outfit and make money by making them smile, right? Yeah. Um, and I was shocked when she said the window to go to school is, is open, wide open. The, you can probably only be a Playboy bunny for a, a short period of time, so go do it. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't have been able to say this then, but now I... Now, knowing Jesus the way I know Jesus, isn't that what he does? He says, there is a better way. There is a good way for you to go. There is a way that will not keep you safe, but keep you secure. Mm -hmm. There is a way that your your life will be less traumatic, less harmful, likely. But you can still choose the choice that you're going to make. You can still take the path. That leads to destruction. I'll be here yeah. waiting when you get back. And that's, um, you know, my mom was very wise, and and uh, she just loved me enough to let me make that choice without assigning me um, any judgment. And and so you were in the Playboy world for four years. I was. I was only going to go for the summer. Yeah. But oh, wait, I was really good at it. Yeah. Really good at it, and I ended up making so much money and got really intoxicated with the power mm-hmm. that I had as a beauty. Yes. Um, so it just, it really, it got away from me, and I stayed a lot, a lot, a long time. I yeah. Did. And then your life moved on. It did. I ended up. Um, ending, I ended up with a fella that was very dangerous and mm-hmm. had to actually leave Playboy, um, you know, uh, under duress. I, I, uh, I probably was ready to go, but because I was in this really dangerous situation, I knew I had to flee. Mm-hmm. So I, I went back home, and I ended up dating this Christian boy, mm. and he started taking me to church. Yeah, and. I had an encounter with the Holy Spirit at a Christmas program when, um, you know, the the building was so beautiful. It was one of those ancient churches right. in Milwaukee that dressed stone and candlelight and yeah. uh, all the windows, the stained glass windows. Sure. And when the pastor came forward and said, tonight's the night. If you don't know Jesus, you have to be saved. I... I said yes. Uh-huh. I said yes that night. Now, the distinction I always make about that is that I said yes to Jesus as Savior. I did not say yes to him as Lord. Uh-huh. I did not say yes to him as King. Well said. So, yeah, so that's, there's a, and there's a big difference between I want to stay out of hell, I want you to protect <laughs> me if I'm in imminent danger, right. and I give you my life, I'm not doing a great job. That came later, Yes. but um, yeah, it, it was a process for me that was a lot slower than anybody wanted. <laughs> so you got married, 
a couple of times. What was the situation with that and, and this shocking thing of having two husbands die? Yeah. Well, my sweet Christian boy, the one that took me to church where right. I found Jesus, and we got married. I had a couple of his clones. They were beautiful children. And we were married about 14 years mm-hmm. when, at 39 years old, he died of a heart attack. It right. was very sudden. Nobody saw it coming. And the Lord was so faithful. Mm-hmm. We had been walking together for a while. And by that, I mean I had been going to church and yes. reading my Bible and associating with other Christians and trying to learn. I was proactively being discipled mm-hmm. so that I could figure out how to make the chaos in my life more um <laughs> under control, right. work better. And so when when Jay died, I was entrenched in a really good Bible church, mm-hmm. and I didn't expect it to, um, I didn't expect to be cared for so well, but these women swooped in with chicken salad and circus tickets, <laughs> and they prayed, and they prayed, and they prayed. And I made it, and I felt, uh, after a year, I guess, I felt long enough to ask the Lord if I could get married again. Mm-hmm. I actually said, you know, I worked really hard to learn yeah. to be a good wife, and I think it's an awful waste of raw talent to leave <laughs> me single. That's actually what I said. <laughs> and he must have thought so, too. Either that or I needed supervision because I did get married again. Uh-huh. And we were only married for two years. He mm-hmm. was such an adventure boy. We had an airplane. He came with an airplane. Right. And so I got my pilot's license and uh, but he took a routine flight to pick up a friend of ours, and somewhere along that path made a pilot error, miscalculation in a thunderstorm, mm-hmm. and crashed and was killed. Oh and so I buried two husbands in four years. And i got to tell you, that will make you question a loving God. Yes. And what I realized when I was stomping my feet and saying, um, excuse me, God, what the heck, right? Mm-hmm. He, he just said, Robin, you can trust me. You can trust me. It took me Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Acknowledge me in every way, and I will set your path straight. And I, I didn't, I, I realized I've never won an argument with God. Mm-hmm. And so I thought, well, I might as well trust him because he said to, and I might as well trust him because as I looked at my past, yeah. he'd always been faithful. And yeah. when I looked in the Bible, he's, he asked some unusual things. Like, if, I can't say I wouldn't do the Jonah thing. If he right. said, you know, that whole turn the other cheek and pray for your enemies and uh, go the extra mile and... Uh, New Testament stuff and Old Testament stuff. He tells this guy named Abraham, uh, I want you to just pick up your stuff and and start and move. I'll tell you when you're there. I mean, these things take trust. And so I decided that that was a good solution. I'd come to terms with the fact that I needed somebody bigger, smarter, stronger than me to lead my life. And someone that loved me enough that I could trust not to take me down a wrong road, Mm -hmm. lead me astray, reject me, um, set me up for a fall. And so I just, um, I just started, I just started, I just opened my hands and I said, okay, I hate this. I trust you. 
I hate this. I trust you. I hate this. I trust yes, you. Yes. And we just did that for a while mm-hmm. until I'm a better place. You know, it's interesting that we don't always recognize uh, the Lord's hand in our lives when we're going through some of that. But that's why it's important to look back, isn't it? It is. When you, um, there, if, if you picture a military cemetery yeah. and all those white stones, right. right? Every single one of those, you could assign a place in your life mm-hmm. where God has, saved you, redeemed you, intervened, interrupted, rescued. We all have these testimonies of God's faithfulness, but we just kind of forget about them until Mm -hmm. we need to be reminded. I think that's why it's so important to share your testimonies, not just your conversion story, but what has he done last week? Yes. What did he do for you recently? Like, I got green lights all the way to the grocery (laughs) store today, and that. That's, that's just so wonderful. Isn't God so good? If we could just keep all those isn't God so good stories in the forefront of our mind, it would not only fortify our faith for what comes along, mm-hmm. but I think it emboldens others uh, in their faith as long as, and also glorifies God. I mean, it's just a win-win to remember what he's done. If you've just tuned in, folks, I'm talking with Robin Dykstra. She's the author of a book, The Widow Wore Pink, a true story of life after loss and the transforming power of a loving God. Robin, talk to me about pink. Yeah, so um, most widows wear black Mm. or some version of uh, gray, dark colors to (laughs) funerals. Just because it's a somber occasion, and yes. they just, you, you know, just, you just really feel crummy. And I had gone through, I had, I had buried uh, my first husband, and then I buried my mom three months after that. Mm-hmm. And when my pilot husband died, I knew what was coming. I knew that I was going to have to stand in an ugly, smelly, funeral parlors smell funny. They just do. So I was going to have to stand there and greet hundreds of people and pat them on the back and tell them um, it's going to be okay because it caught everybody off guard and nobody understood why I would bury two husbands in four years. And people come through the line and they look at you and they go, how could this awful thing happen? And I don't know any more than they know, but it felt, I knew it was going to fall to me to be the representative of Jesus. Ah to these people, to Mm -hmm. say it's going to be okay. We can trust him. He is faithful. He's never failed us yet. And I just couldn't do it in black, Dwight. I just (laughs) could not do it. I wore a pink dress. And so the widow wore pink because it was just just a brighter color for me. And it kind of set the tone for conversations. People come in, they they saw me in pink, and they thought, oh, okay. I don't know if it helped them or not, but it sure yeah. helped me. I remember my mother mentioning after my father passed away that people would come and allegedly they had come to reassure her and be with her, but they ended up talking about their own grief and their own issues in life. And my mother was a preacher's wife, and so she dealt with it. Yeah, exactly. And nobody tells you that. There's not a course. Right. I was so young. I was the first one in my group that had this happen so I was navigating this thing the best I could and I had no idea what the responsibility of the grief 
stricken would be. I'm always so sad when I meet a new widow, Mm -hmm. um, especially one that that whose husband is young, because I know what's coming. This is just oh, this is just all kinds of no, (laughs) all kinds of bad. Yes. Talk a little bit about. I mean, your 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 children were children. And uh, how how did they deal with the grief, and what did you do to kind of guide them? Yeah, well, um, the boys were seven and four the four, first time, and whatever seven and four plus four is yeah. the second time. Math's not my strong suit. But uh, the first time it happened, I uh, I took them to a grief counselor right away because uh-huh. I thought. No, I don't know what I'm doing, and I don't want to mess them up because I missed something. And the grief counselor said that they would follow my lead. And if I told them that God was still on the throne and this wasn't a mistake and that we were going to be okay, that they would believe me. And as 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 long as I could walk that out authentically... Mm-hmm. We had an agreement that you, if you're sad, you cry, and if you're happy, you laugh, and yeah. you don't have to, you don't have to pretend. And we're all, we left pictures up, and we talked about it. Yeah, we didn't build a shrine. Yes. We did not because he's done making mistakes. When you're dead, you're done making mistakes. So you, you don't want to make his memory so infallible that they have to live up to something that's sure. in a, unachievable. But we we just we agreed that we would talk about these things and that we wouldn't pretend it didn't happen and if we were having a bad day that we would you know we would we would accommodate that but we did talk about it and we I actively engaged other people who knew my husband to come over and talk about their experience with my husband and it yeah. it really it really helped them have permission to grieve but not get in it. You know what I struck me as in, in reading your book is that you were not afraid to point out the not so good things in in your life and in your husband's. They were real. You know, sometimes we have this we don't we don't want to speak ill of those who have passed on, but there is a reality there, isn't there, that we need to come to terms with. There is because you never know what, what's going to get stuck in the mind of a five-year-old. Right. And if he hears your dad was just perfect, he was just the perfect man for me, mm-hmm. well, how do you live up to that? How do, you, right. how do you reconcile a memory that you have of your dad that is imperfect with sure. the one that your mom is? So it just made so much more sense to me to be honest. And I, I live my life as an open book. I want other people to understand that the best way to create authentic community and to be safe in community and to bring out the best in you is to not put on a, a mask and uh, uh-huh. to be really honest. And if, if I got to model that, I've got to model that with my kids and I've got to model that with my friends. You say in your book that well-meaning people, in fact, you say, say hurtful things, I would say are guaranteed to say hurtful things. <laughs> <laughs> Is there any advice? Yeah. Is there any advice that you can give about how how do you internally or even externally deal with those types of, of foolish comments? Yes, what I tell new widows that I meet now is people are going to say dumb things to you. They're going to say things that hurt your feelings, and they don't mean to. Mm-hmm. I can't. 
I can't believe anybody comes to a funeral or to your house after somebody dies and goes, wonder how I can make their life even harder. Yeah. Nobody does that. Right. Nobody does. So you got to give them the benefit of the doubt. You, that, they're, that they're just inexperienced. They don't know what to say, and they feel uncomfortable in the silence, so they say something that seems to make sense to them. Yeah. So they might say something like, well, he's in a better place. Well, <clears throat> I'm sorry. No, the better place would be with me. Yes. Here, alive. <laughs> that yes. seems like a better place to me. Mm-hmm. And um, all, um, all, you'll, you'll see him again. Well, yeah. But, yeah, but that's not now. When? Yeah. yeah, that's not now. That doesn't help me right now. The best thing, so I add, I say uh, to widows, just do your best to give them the benefit of the doubt and know that they don't mean any harm mm-hmm. and do your best to be as kind back as they're trying to be to you. Yeah. And then to people who are, are coming alongside a widow, I say the best thing you can do is just say, I'm sorry. I'm just so sorry this thing happened. Yeah. I can't imagine what you're going through because every, you know, grieving is as individual as yes. your mama's chili. Mm-hmm. And you, I don't know. I mean, I've been through it twice, and I, I have a girlfriend whose husband just passed unexpectedly, mm-hmm. and I'm the first to say, I do not know what you need. I no. don't live in your house. I don't know what you know. I don't need what you need. How, I'm just so sorry this thing happened. Yeah. What, do you, what can I do? Yeah. I, I, and I am committed to pray for you every day for a year. I love you. I'm so sorry this happened. This is, um, there, yeah, this is just something that, that is just ugly. It's just awful. The book is The Widow War Pink. It's by Robin Dykstra. Uh, Robin, where can our listeners get a copy of your book? Well, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, they all have it. It's pretty easy to find. It's the only one that's called The Widow War Pink. <laughs> Robin, thanks so much for being with us on uh, LifeQuest. Thanks for listening to LifeQuest today. If you have questions or comments, you may send them to lifequest at lifetalk.net. My name is Dwight Lanehoff. This program comes to you from studios in the Meadowglade Church, Battleground, Washington. Washington.